are now tuning in to the Mind Body Podcast, where you will go behind the scenes of how the mind of successful entrepreneurs, experts, and true leaders really works. Here you won't just listen, you will understand the guiding principles to create massive change in any area of your life. And of course, this podcast is hosted by the strong, lovely, with the sexy Jewish accent, Lidor Dayan. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Mind Body Podcast. I'm your host, Lido Dayan. And in this episode, I have Jordan Harbinger. Jordan is an entrepreneur, talk show host, and world-renowned social dynamic expert. Jordan has helped develop one of the leading self-development programs in the world with a special expertise in social capital, relationship building, and authentic rapport. He is also the host of The Jordan Harbinger Show, where he interviews leading entrepreneurs, celebrities, authors, and experts on psychology, human performance, behavioral economics, and success. For all his work in the field, Forbes named Jordan one of the 50 best relationship builders in the world. Jordan and I talked about several stuff, from building a business from scratch, creating relationships with influencers, and having a relationship simultaneously. So without further ado, let's begin the interview. So welcome Jordan to the Mind Body Podcast. I'm really honored to have you on my show. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Great. So uh, before we start, uh, I would like you to introduce yourself to the people that are not really recognized by your name. So if you can have like five minutes, uh, a little background about yourself. Sure. My name is Jordan Harbinger. I'm one of the probably OG podcasters. I've been doing a podcast for 12 years. I'm now starting a new one called The Jordan Harbinger Show, and I've been interviewing people for a really long time of course, uh, to do that show. And I used to be an attorney on Wall Street. I built a couple of businesses in the past, and I'm relaunching my new one now. So it's good timing to be on a podcast for entrepreneurs, people who are looking at starting their own business or who have their own business. And that's what I've been doing for the last 12 plus years after leaving, well, during and after leaving law, the field of law. So how, how did you shift that from being an attorney to like, coming into an, such a different industry, what was it for you that shifted it? So when I became an attorney, I always knew I didn't want to be a lawyer. And so not wanting to be a lawyer was a pretty good reason for me to keep my mind open to other opportunities. Also, I knew I wasn't going to be very good at it because, or at least I thought I wasn't going to be very good at it because all the people I was working with were really smart, really hardworking, and I was always smart and hardworking, but you know, when I was younger, I would coast through school because it was pretty easy, and then when I was older, everybody else was smarter than me in college, but they were all busy partying and drinking, but then once I got to Wall Street as an attorney, I didn't have that competitive advantage anymore, and so I felt like I was going to get fired at any minute. It was really stressful for me. And I started learning how to network and generate relationships inside my business because I realized that in order to have a competitive advantage, I had to figure out how to generate relationships. People would have my back. People would help me get business for the firm because I figured that was how I would make it to the top, so to speak, of the law game. 
And that was what I focused on. And that, that's been something that I've been passionate about for years now, you know, to over a decade now. I see like many people uh, are so, um, they have so hard time about creating a relationship with other people, especially with strangers, because when we grow up, uh, most of us have this belief that you can't talk with strangers, right? So how do you see it? How do you create a better relationship, especially with people that you, you don't really know? So most will like, oh, I don't know how to, to go, or what will I say to him, or uh, what kind of value can I give to this person? Sure. So the trick is to really give without the expectation of anything in return. And I think that's what stumbles where a lot of people stumble around. They're always thinking, I should say, we often think, what can I get from this person? And if the answer is, I don't know or nothing, we tend to maybe not focus on helping them so much. And that's a huge mistake. I understand why people think that, but it's actually a huge mistake because very rarely are we going to get a chance to help somebody where we need something in return. And usually if we need something from someone, helping them is disingenuous. It's going to come across as a quid pro quo transaction because you're really just asking them for something. You have this hidden agenda. So it's better to help people when you don't want anything from them. It's actually a lot easier and it goes across a lot smoother. So if you spend years and years and years helping other people without the expectation of anything in return, It's really easy to connect other people in your network, to make introductions, to make it scalable so that you can create those relationships in a way that doesn't feel slimy because you're not trying to sell them anything and you're not trying to get something from them. And then when you need those relationships later on down the line, you can call upon those people and you've spent years helping them, months helping them, and they're going to be happy to help you in return if you ever need it. But in the meantime, you don't want to have that looming over you. Oh, I need something from Lidor, uh, so you know I'm going to ask him for this, but then I got to figure out a way to ask him for this thing in return. It's so awkward. It makes the whole thing transactional. So we here on the Jordan Harbinger show, we always we always say ABG, which is always be generous or always be giving hmm. instead of ABC, always be closing, right? It's, uh-huh. it's always figuring out ways to deliver value to other people. Even when you have no idea if that person would ever help you with anything in your whole life, it should it just just should not matter at all. You're not keeping score. You're not thinking of how to leverage the relationship. You're just thinking that you're going to be helpful, and that's the end of the that's the end of the story. That's as far as it goes. I, I like the way you you said it, and like uh, because many of us, uh, I can tell for myself, like I was stuck in my head a lot of time. So when you're stuck in your head, you're always thinking about what you're going to say or like uh, how can I get something from him. So what you said, it's like you actually condition yourself to get out, out, outside of your head and be a giver. And the more you gave, you condition yourself that you don't think about it. It's who you are, right? Yeah, it's actually easier just to be more giving without thinking about how you can leverage the relationship. Because you really only have to think about, let me put it this way. If I'm thinking, okay, I need to get on Lidor's podcast, so in order to do that, I need to seem helpful. Okay, now I need to figure out how I can seem helpful. All right, well, I'm racking my brain here, and then I've got to rush this because I've I'm I'm got an agenda to get on Lidor's show really quick. So, okay, I'm going to help him in this way that hopefully he'll like, and then like three days later, I'm going to say, oh, by the way, can you book me on your podcast? And now you're like, ah, oh, I see. That whole thing of you helping me was just this big smoke and mirror you could get me to help you. And it leaves everyone with a bad taste in their mouth. But if I, I just think, 
Oh, I know a graphic designer. Do you want an introduction? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. I'll make one later on. That's a much easier thought process because there's no strategy behind it. The strategy is just be helpful. The strategy is not, okay, be helpful in this certain way and then time everything else correctly so that I get what I want. That ends up being complicated and toxic to the relationship. Does that make sense? Yes, yes, you're totally right. I, I think like the, the best bonds that I have with people is when I was so authentic and I was actually so, I wanted to, to, to tell the person that something, right? When you feel like, oh my God, I need to share it with you. I have this, this, because you're so liking the person that you, you, you are out of your head because uh, you get from your heart. So it, it makes it much more easier. So yeah, now, I agree with you on being outside your head. I like the way you phrase that. Because uh, I believe like everything that uh, w- when we make decisions, the best decisions comes from the one that when we don't think from our head and we make decisions based off uh, our heart. So um, I use like that. I believe like there are, are uh, four uh, uh, categories of archetypes and those archetypes uh, makes us make decisions. So, for example, most of people make decisions from their warrior archetypes. So the warrior is always like, oh, I'm going to fight, da, 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 da. So once you come from your lover, for example, so you make different decisions based on the, like if you, for example, you put your hand on your heart. So if you put your hand on your heart, will you make a different decision? Are you asking me if you yeah. put your hand on your heart? Yes. I don't think that you can trigger... No, I don't think you can trigger certain types of decision-making by touching certain areas of your body, if that's what you're asking me. No, I don't believe that at all. Have you ever tried it? Uh, there's no science behind that at all. Um, I should say, informally, no, I haven't tried it, but I don't really look at anything that's pseudoscientific with any sort of sincere eye, because it's so, that type of rationale, that type of reasoning really goes along with have you ever heard of phrenology where people used to believe that if you touch someone's skull there will be bumps on the skull and you can read people's personality because the bumps on the skull somehow mirror bumps on the brain and that determines personality that's been widely debunked so anything that sort of smacks of that type of pseudoscience i tend to write off pretty much immediately in favor of real scientific habit change which is what i'm talking about on the jordan harbinger show for the most part but it's actually at some proof it shows like uh, when people for example in a suffering state if you feel for example frustration anger or something like that so if you put both hands on your heart and while you put your hands on your heart you think about something that you are grateful for example so it shows the pulse of, for example, frustration and pulse of uh, like uh, when you feel in calm. So the pulse when you calm, it's much higher when you put your hands on your heart. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we need to look at the, the science more. But from what I saw, it's actually proven. Um, I don't think you can prove anything with anecdotal evidence. I think you need science for that. That's kind of the whole point of science, right? So I'm not saying that you're wrong. But what I am saying is there's no evidence other than the anecdote that you just told me that would show me that that's not, that that's a real phenomenon and not just a random belief system that some people have. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Does that make sense? Yes, yes, it is. So uh, back to your uh, new podcast, the, uh, the Jordan Arbinger Show. So Jordan Harbinger Show, yeah. Harbinger. Jordan Harbinger Show. Yes. Yeah, so, it's my name as a show. 
So yes. what's the show about? Uh, if you can make us a little bit details about the show. Sure. So the show, essentially every episode solves a problem. And I'll, I'll go to my own website right now, jordanharbinger.com slash podcast. Every episode solves a problem or makes the listener better for having heard it. So a recent episode that we've done was a deep dive where I, me and a, a close friend of mine that I work with on business, so a business partner, if you will, we do a deep dive on learning how to cope with instability, insecurity, uh, rapid change in your life that you cannot control. And we give some tools on how that might look, right? How our brain seeks information and how we can never have perf- quote unquote perfect information and why that drives anxiety for us. Uh, another episode was a business leader talking about when a crisis hits your business and you have a bad reputation forming as the result of this, what can you do about it? And he goes through practical points on how you might handle that in your personal or business life. And then another episode of fan- really fascinating interview that I had recently was with a man named Bill Browder, and he was one of the first investors in Eastern Europe and Russia after the fall of the Soviet Union. And this man is being hunted by Vladimir Putin. He is dealing with all kinds of crazy political pressure. And we talk about how he became a really influential hedge fund manager and how he has to deal with this amount of pressure at a an international level in order to accomplish things that he's going for, such as sanctions against Russia. So the breadth of the show, sort of the, the dynamic, the, the dynamic breadth of the show, the variety on the show means that there's enough here for everybody. But the focus is, can I apply something that I've learned on this show after I hear it? And the answer always, always, always on any episode of the Jordan Harbinger show has to be yes. Mm-hmm. If you listen and you are not better afterwards, then I have failed as a host. So I always make sure that every single episode has practical, actionable advice so that it's not just entertaining, it's not just scientific, but it actually has something that you can take away and use. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yes. So you're result-driven. You're like always try to seek for something that uh, I can, I call it like uh, nuggets. So if you can take one nugget from this interview and one nugget from this interview, so as long as you keep those and you have those nuggets and you improve in your life, then I did my job, right? Yeah, pretty much, exactly. Except for instead of just nuggets, I try to have a very complete a very complete learning. Not just, oh, I got one little thing from this show, but okay, there's three or four things in here that I can use right now, right out of the box. Not just I feel like I've learned something, but that they have that you by listening to the Jordan Harbinger show have actually learned something. So What kind of questions Jordan tend to ask himself when it comes for, for example, business or life? I'm sorry, I don't understand the question. Like what kind of question you tend to ask yourself, like internally, in order to make things better? What kind of questions do I ask myself internally in order to make things better? I guess I don't understand. I'm just yeah, it's like I give you an example. If I'm try- starting a podcast and uh, I am, uh, okay, I interview again and again and again. So do you tend to ask yourself, like, how can I make this better? Or uh, what oh, yeah. else did I? So those kind of questions. 
Sure. So first of all, I have a whole team of people that listens to each of these shows. So not only is it my producer and my associate producer who listen to each episode episode of the show, but my wife will listen to each episode. Uh, my marketing team will listen to each episode and everybody has notes and, and there's full on permission for people in and frankly outside of our organization to give feedback. And I even encourage feedback always encourage feedback from the listening audience of the Jordan Harbinger show. So, oh, I think this would have been interesting or this was a missed opportunity or I'd like to hear more of this. I always want that sort of feedback and not just to be on autopilot. So yes, I'm constantly tearing down the work that I create and trying to rebuild it better every single time. So So the, the Jordan Harbinger show is on episode number six but my other shows that I've been hosting for 11, 12 years, I had over 900 episodes of those shows. And those are, th- those are skills that I've brought with me for the last decade and change that I'm now going to be using on the Jordan Harbinger show to rebuild each episode better than the last. So if I kind of look at it this way. Building this kind of content up has to be done in a way where you're constantly getting better or it's not really worth doing. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. And you gotta love it, right? You gotta love what you do. Of course, I have a crazy passion for interviewing people, creating podcasts that people can learn from that change people's lives. Yes, I absolutely love it. There's just no getting around it. I had a question here um, that uh, I, I was supposed to ask you. If you want, we can cut it there. So, because my question was, if you could start your podcast all over again, what was the top three to five things you would focus on most to, for example, dominate your industry? Yeah, well, I am starting my podcast over. It started literally two weeks ago, the Jordan Harbinger show, starting from scratch. And what I'm doing is I'm calling upon all of the relationships that I have built over the last decade and helping, having people help share with their audience because I really have to re-magnetize all of the fans of the other show, The Art of Charm, that I used to run, and I have to figure out how to get it into people's hands as quickly as possible. And I spent 11, 12 years building a skill set where I can create great content for people, but I've got to make sure that it gets in their, in their, into their ears or it's not useful. And so I'm calling a lot of my friends who have influence, who have shows, appearing on a lot of their shows and focusing on my content explicitly so that it's even better than anything I've created in the past. Because if you have a thousand people listen to something that you create, but 900 of them don't like it, you've just wasted your time. So I have to focus on building the best, most actionable content that I possibly can with the greatest group of guests that I possibly can. Otherwise, it's kind of like pouring water into a bucket with a bunch of holes in the bottom. Does that make sense? Yes, it totally is. And uh, yeah, I, I can tell like from the way I see you, your physiology, uh, it's kind of uh, taking me back like one year ago that uh, not just about like uh, studying a podcast, everything, studying alone, uh, the moving from uh, Israel to USA alone. So I was with so many doubts and like I was so scared. Uh, but uh, I think like self-belief when, when you know who you are, you know what you made for and you, you just know you, yourself, you know, that nothing will stop you. No matter if you start from scratch again, no matter nothing, because you know who you are, you know what you're capable of and no fear will ever stop you. It's, it will be there. There will be doubts, but... Eventually, when you know your outcome, you know why you're doing this, your why, 
all, most people, most successful people always say like, you gotta have the why, right? Because when the why is big enough, you will find the, the way to make it happen again. And the bad thing, it's gonna be like, I believe like so fucking more better than before. Yeah, I hope so. And you know, frankly, you're right. I, I spoke with Simon Sinek the other day on uh, the Jordan Harbinger show, and we were talking about finding your why and how that's done and why it's important. Because frankly, you can't get through hard times without a really strong why. And so that has been something that for me has been super interesting to see mature, maybe not mature, but come to fruition, I guess you could say, or something that, uh, that I've been able to find that I didn't know that I had. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like finding that why and really focusing on it is something that will get you through those tough times. I think your hard times triggers your hunger. Like uh, for, for most people, like we get like, okay. And then like, whoop, uh, we start to like, okay. But uh, those hard times triggers your hunger to like, okay, I want more. I want more from life. I want to influence more. I want to become more. So it's all a matter of life because I believe like there is two type of people. People that don't know how to end on hard times and they're just like, okay, whatever happened, happened. And they just hope, right? And then other people expect, okay, hard times are going to come. Bring it on. <laughs> and then, okay, you follow through. And once you follow through, you're like, shh. Oh my God, you, you develop such a strong mental muscle, right? Yeah, I think it's, it's not even just a mental muscle. It's knowing that this is something that you can do, that you have done before, that you're interested in doing, and that you have the ability to do. So it's not just believing in yourself or some sort of other abstract concept, but really a greater sense of purpose and feeling that you have the capability to execute on it is more powerful than just like getting yourself psyched up in the morning and getting excited and having, you know, coffee to push it out. Yes. I, I recently just like, uh, saw, uh, I might interview uh, Jordan Balfour, the guy, the wall street. Oh, cool. So, so his journey, like you saw, like he, he made millions of millions of dollars, then fuck, all of a sudden he's in jail three years. Right. So, from that obstacle, from that hard times, it came even stronger. So I believe once we get a better meaning, because it's all about meaning. If we give a better meaning to whatever happens in the external world, then it's automatically will shape a different destination in our life. Can you clarify that? I, or is that a question or a statement? I guess I'm not even sure. No, it was the kind of a statement. Meaning. Meaning okay, means like, uh, okay, both of us, for example, we go out, okay? And we meet women. And both of us, uh, I go to one woman and she told me like, no, go away. And for you, it was the same. No, go away. So I had the meaning like, oh my God, she rejected me. And I was so like, oh. And you like, okay, uh, you, you're still like searching. Because you gave it a different meaning. Makes sense? Uh, I suppose so. I think I follow you. Yeah, I, I, maybe that makes sense. I don't know. It seems more like an internal process that you have. So I can't really... Yeah, because... I can't really comment on it. I don't know. Because it's like most of us have uh, some sort of like... Uh, if whatever events happen in our life, so events doesn't change. It's just what we link a meaning to it. 
right? This means this, this means this. I'll give you an example. Uh, did you read the book uh, Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl? I have, yeah, a long time ago and I still have it. I gotta reread it, that's one of those. So that's about the meaning. This guy went to Holocaust, right? So we found this freedom. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, I'm having trouble hearing you because of the internet, but yeah. Yeah, so we found this freedom in a Holocaust. How can you do it? Because it creates a better meaning to it, right? So it mm. shows us the capacity of us as human beings that we, no matter what happens in our life, we can have a better meaning and by that it can shift a different focus and by that our life can change. I think he, you know, he was definitely onto something there and he's a powerful thinker or was a powerful thinker. Yeah, there's no getting around that. So I agree, of course, we can assign meaning to anything as, as humans, we're very good at that. It's up to us whether that meaning is powerful and helps us move forward or whether it's debilitating and moves us backwards. And what, what Victor is arguing in there is that it's a choice. Uh, and it's hard for us to accept that a lot of the time given that what the circumstances that we're in may make us feel powerless. But really what he's arguing is that we always have the power to persevere anyway. Yes. And uh, how do you uh, like balance uh, like your business with, for example, your wife and family? Because it's not a regular nine to five. Yeah, it's not a regular nine to five at all. In fact, I wish it were probably maybe even more uh, nine to five. But I work with my wife, which is great. Uh. Um, it's a lot of fun, and we really enjoy doing it. So we don't. I wouldn't say we do balance it. I don't think we balance it at all. I think we're neck deep in it, and we enjoy the process. But we don't balance it. There's no way we can even. I could ever claim that. I mean. Jen will be checking email at 11 p.m. She'll wake up in the middle of the night and do something. Um, I will get up early and do something else or I'll take a rest and she's working. I mean, we're always focused on the prize. I, I wouldn't even say we're focused on the prize. We're always focused on the process, really. And so, no, we don't have a balance. Once we have kids, when that happens, we're going to have to figure that out. But in the meantime, there is no balance to be had at all. And I think a lot of people say, oh, work-life balance, work-life balance. Great. I don't have that. I don't, I don't have that at all. We have grind and hustle so far, and that's the mode that we're in. Maybe we'll balance it later. You see how amazing it is? Like, it's amazing to find your soulmate that's actually aligned with your purpose and you do it together. Like, it's so hard to find, so hard to find. I'm still searching, but <laughs> it's amazing like that you actually uh, found your soulmates. Like, just, just this is a blessing, man. So last questions uh, that uh, I have for you is what is the legacy that you would like to live long after you won't be here? The legacy that I want to live, this is a great question actually. The legacy that I want to live, somebody, my friend actually recently asked me, because he, he found out I was kind of doing the workaholic thing, recording the Jordan Harbinger show and trying to constantly record and interview all these great people. And he said, well, wait a minute. What if you only had 10 weeks to live? What would you do? Because I kept saying, oh, I got to record, I got to record, I want to do this, I want to interview this person. And he goes, what if you only had 10 weeks to live? And I said, this is my legacy, right? This show, the Jordan Harbinger show is my legacy. This is where I'm going to leave the most valuable stuff for the generation to come. And this is what's going to outlast me. So if I only had 10 weeks to live, I would record a ton of episodes of the Jordan Harbinger show. Because this is what is me getting my knowledge out there. This is me helping other people get their knowledge out there. This is the most important work that I do. 
So, I, yeah, sure, I'd go tour Europe with my wife, but I'd be recording these interviews. I'd be recording these shows in the meantime as well. That's what I would be doing because it means that much to me. So that legacy is the Jordan Harbinger show and helping people become better by accessing these brilliant people and these concepts that we're creating for them. And that's really what I'm focused on. So it's not just a business I like. It's a legacy that I'm committed to. I think it's a, uh, there is a difference between when will I ask Jordan this question? Because if, for example, I will ask you like five years from now and you have uh, a kid, will you answer the same? <laughs> yeah, hard to tell. You can never really predict the future. Yes. So that's amazing legacy. And I really wish you the best, man. You are doing an amazing, amazing work. And I, I tell it not from just like... Uh, you know, I, I really, I, sh I saw what, uh, everything you're doing, that's amazing, man. You're really a hard worker and uh, this is something that, uh, a habit that it's hard to break, right? It's like me going to the gym. Once you do it again and again and again, it becomes a part of you. So your, your workaholic mode or your hustle mode, it's, you can't break it. It's in you. <laughs> so that's amazing, man. Where can we find you? So you're is this mostly video or do you mostly have audio listeners? Because really, if people are listening, they should just search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. Just search for my name in their podcast player, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Overcast or something else. Subscribe to the show and you can also find me at jordanharbinger.com. Jordan Harbinger, Harbinger or Harbinger, depending on how you pronounce it, .com. And I'm sure that you'll link to this in the show notes for this, right? So I don't have to spell it out. Yes, yes, of course. Great. Thank you so much, man. If you enjoyed this interview or any other one from the Mind Body Podcast, feel free to subscribe to my podcast at iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and at my YouTube channel. Also, feel free to share this podcast on Instagram by tagging the Mind Body Podcast. Do you want to be a part of the Mind Body podcast? So remember the fast factor. The fast factor stands for one, Facebook. Become a part of the Mind Body podcast community by joining our Facebook community just by searching on Facebook the Mind Body podcast community. Number two, act. Don't just be a passive listener. Act upon what you've just learned by applying one simple thing from any episode or interview. 3. Subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or if you're visual like me, then just search the MindBody podcast on YouTube. And number 4. Train others. Because just like I always say, leaders create leaders and you're all here to grow together and by training others you're training yourself so this is the fast factor remember it facebook act subscribe and train others oh and please feel free to leave a review which will engage all your vac senses and the vac senses stands for visual auditory and kinesthetic which when you use all the three combined, you remember stuff much better. For more information about my coaching, public speaking, and taking your mind and body to all new levels, check my site at lidodayan.com. Till then, never, ever forget to smile. See you soon.